Blog Talk Radio. You're listening to Starseed Radio Academy, empowering Starseed to better serve the planet. Welcome to Starseed Radio Academy. It's Tuesday, June 23rd, 2020, and I'm your host, Arielle Taylor, with my co-hosts, Lavendar and Anastasia. As you may have heard, we had to reschedule our two spring quests this year and add one in September. This is a soul family reunion in the crystal capital of the world, and any starseed with at least one galactic degree on their chart is welcome to join us. Our starseed quest to Arkansas for Pleiadian lineup in November the 13th through the 16th is the only one of the three upcoming quests that still have a few spots left. So if you feel the call to join us, please write to crystals at starseedhotline.com right away to secure your spot or get more info. Our special guest this evening is Sharveda, who is an intuitive counselor, healer, writer, and channel, and was born on a Mother's Day new moon with the gifts of clairsentience, claircognizance, clairaudience, and a heart for humor and service work. Shar has worked in health and healing and media publishing for 25 years. She has published over 100 articles on health, wellness, and high vibrational self-care in national magazines like American Spa and Mother Earth Living, Uh, served as a health counselor to at-risk teen girls, as a yoga therapist to low-income kids, and trusted uh, as a trusted lifestyle advisor, healing, and confidant to elite private clients around the world. Starseed Nation Ascension into 5D is Charveda's first book. Much of it was channeled living near Mount Shasta, the root chakra of Earth. Since then, Shar has moved to Pahoa, Hawaii, and specializes in supporting those wanting to raise personal and planetary frequency, um, move from fear to love with a unique blend of intuitive counsel, healing, Ayurveda, astrology, and message retrieval. Her style is to the point, non-pretentious, and humorous. She works with those who come in earnest and who are ready to change and grow. And you can find her at her website, which is charveda.com, and that is spelled S-H-A-R-V, like Victor, E-D, like David, A.com, charveda.com. Or you can email her directly, uh, Sharon, at charveda.com. At the top of the show, it's Anastasia's Starseed News, bringing topics of interest to starseeds not heard in the mainstream. And we'd like to thank Jada, Kathy, and Fiona for hosting the switchboard tonight for those who may have a question or comment for Shar. We have an online Starseed community at starseedhotline.ning.com, and it's a safe place to connect with other starseeds thanks to Tammy's helpful, diligent dedication. You can download our shows on iTunes or right here on Blog Talk. And if you'd like to show your support of our program, please just click follow on our page here and you'll get our weekly show notices if you enable those. Our main website is starseedhotline.com. The Stage 1 Starseed confirmations are based on Lavendar's discovery of star markings in your natal astrological chart. And the Stage 2 session is a one-on-one phone session available with Lavendar, Anastasia, or myself, and coming up soon with Rebecca also. 
please be aware that due to a massive starseed activation, our waiting lists are overflowing at at least six months of a wait until we get our new astrologers trained, which is underway now. Um, We're hoping that they're going to be up and running in a few more weeks. It's great news for the planet, but we do need to expand our team to meet the demand, so your understanding and patience will be greatly appreciated. And if you have a birthday come up, you don't, have, you don't want to miss out on your 10 hours of power, you can find out when that happens by requesting your solar return timing. And that only takes a few days to run that chart, and it's just the chart. But if you want the Stage 2 interpretation of that chart, you're going to need to order it at least six months ahead of time so that you can get it in before your 10 hours happens. So first up this evening, I would like to introduce... Anastasia, if I can find you on the switchboard with her wonderful Starseed News. Yay! We love you, Anastasia. (laughs) Good evening, Ariel. Hey, everybody. Great to be with you. Thank you for all that overwhelming applause. I know politicians. Yeah, well, the studio is just filled with raving fans. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) It's great to get applause. Well, we've got a lot of news because we've been apart for a couple of weeks, so let's get started. Uh, We have had some kind of major earthquakes across the planet, a few of them. There was a strong magnitude 7.5 that hit Oaxaca, Mexico. Um, It rattled large swaths of southern and central Mexico. It happened today. Now, it was more than 400 miles away from Mexico City, but it was felt there. It shook buildings and panicked residents who fled out onto the streets naturally. As of the last report, when I checked, there were no reports of damage yet. But we, I will follow up on that. And in North Iceland, they have had an earthquake swarm. Uh, they did have an earthquake measuring 5.6 that was felt in towns and villages in North Iceland on Saturday, and it came on the heels of a similarly-sized quake that measured 5.3 in the same area. The swarm can, uh, had more earthquakes in it, some as small as 3.3, but quite a few together in just a matter of a day. And in the the, uh, Kermadec Islands, uh, northeast of Wellington, New Zealand, they had a 7.3 magnitude quake that just occurred uh, late last week. Well, here's a story. You know, we all share the same air. I don't know if any of you ever really think about that, but, you know, the, the air, the atmosphere goes all the way around the world, so we are breathing the air that they breathe across the world. And now... Uh, air from Sahara Desert is going to be affecting those of us in the state. Because there's been a massive dust storm that formed over the Sahara Desert last week, it has now invaded the Caribbean uh, over this past weekend, uh, immediately, the 21st of June, just two days ago, and it's bringing dangerous levels of air pollution and low visibility to these islands. Now, they say that one of the things that makes this enormous dust cloud, and you should see it on satellite, it is absolutely awesome there's this enormous brown cloud going from africa all the way over here into the pacific uh, the atlantic islands anyway this uh, this dust cloud has really tiny particulates in it uh two and a half microns in diameter so these are really tiny microns that we can inhale and it's bringing with it very dry air which is worsening the drought conditions that's gripping many of these islands now The Dominican Republic, uh, Jamaica, Cuba, and Puerto Rico are having intense droughts right now, and water rationing was imposed on Friday. 
in portions of Puerto Rico, where 26% of the island was under severe drought. But coming this way in just a day or two, they say that this will lead to dangerous air pollution in the United States. This dust cloud is forecast to push west past these islands, invading much of the southeastern United States from the 25th through the 27th. The dust will still be very concentrated when it reaches the United States, and many locations in Texas, Arkansas, and Louisiana will experience unhealthy levels, meaning those with conditions, breeding conditions, will have to remain indoors. And this comes all the way. It's a good thing they're already people. wearing their masks, huh? Yeah, exactly. No kidding. <laughs> well, if they are, a lot of states aren't, but yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And here's well, a wild one. I want to tell you, I didn't cover this story by story. I would have put you to sleep. I mean, it's like a broken record. But you would not believe how much flooding there is across the planet. In countries everywhere, floods, floods, and more floods. But to top that off, I mean, there's something really strange going on here with snowfall. You know, in Montana and Idaho, they have been buried in snow. Now, we just had our summer solstice. But old man winter... <laughs> has uh, visited the northern Rockies and has delivered a huge heap of snow, totals approaching two feet across the uh, highest elevations of the Rockies from Tuesday into Wednesday last week. And uh, the Blaine County Sheriff's Office in Idaho said that it was issuing, get this, guys, quote, a felony warrant for Mother Nature for illegal dumping, <laughs> end quote. <laughs> now, the pictures on the Internet that the Sheriff's uh, Office took in Idaho are just shocking, I mean, uh, really, this I, this just happened not long ago, and it is deep, people. I mean, wow, it's June, the end of June, and they have about two feet of snow in the Rockies. All right, and I, I wanted to bring this to your attention because I think with hand sanitizer shortages, and that might be easing up a bit, but people may have had to scramble to get hand sanitizers from goodness knows where, uh, who know, who knows who made it kind of locations, but the, uh, the FDA, Food and Drug Administration, has warned that nine brands of hand sanitizer gel made in Mexico could be so toxic that they shouldn't even be poured down the drain, and it's issued a warning urging the public not to use the brands. Now, these brands uh, were manufactured by Esco Biochem, S-A-D-C-V, that's in Mexico, uh, because they contain methanol, which is wood alcohol. Now, what they tell us is methanol can be toxic and often fatal if it's absorbed to the skin or ingested. And here is the list of the brands. And you're not going to be able to catch all of this, so you might want to go to the FDA, FDA's website and, and read this for yourself. But I'll cover it here. Uh, All Clean Hand Sanitizer, Esk Biochem Hand Sanitizer, any of the Clean Care No Germ Sanitizers, Lavar hand sanitizer, and Saniderm. And they say that anybody that's exposed to hand sanitizers containing methanol or wood alcohol should seek immediate treatment that they should be disposed of in appropriate hazardous waste containers instead of being flushed or poured down the drain. So check that out. If you have hand sanitizers that you got who knows where, check it out. Make sure that they're safe for you to use. Now, who would have thought about it? I mean, I had a, a 
small can of coins. You know, it took me years to save it, just a little can, green bean can or something. And uh, I got tired of hauling it around, so I finally cashed it at the bank. And, I mean, don't we all have coins laying around? But now the pandemic has caused a coin shortage. And the Federal Reserve chairman says, with the partial closure of the economy, the flow of funds through the economy has stopped. So the U.S. Mint production uh, to protect its workers from catching the coronavirus kind of shut down, and they weren't processing coins. And retailers closed their doors, which means that coins that would have gone towards, you know, a candy bar or a drink started piling up in consumers' jars like my green bean can, okay, and drawers at home. People were not using their change. And so people were unable to get rid of their coins, and the flow of coins through the economy has kind of stopped, the reports tell us. So now there are no coins available, and they're rationing coins that they're giving out to banks. Now, one bank in Tennessee that usually goes through 500 rolls of pennies a week will now get only 100 rolls from the Federal Reserve. And one politician suggested to all of us that, you know, if we run out of coins, we'll just have to round up or down when we make our purchases. But there it is. They say that eventually coins will be made available again, but if you have small change, well, what do you know? You're, you're in good, good shape. But people, I, they're running out of coins, and there's no more coins to be had. So, And um, this is a wild story. It really kind of makes you think. Anybody care to guess what the temperature was in the Arctic, uh, the Arctic, you know, that really cold place up north? <laughs> Would you care to guess what the temperature was on Saturday? Okay, tick-tock, tick-tock. I hear all of you. Okay, I'm going to tell you what it was. That's really warm, isn't it, for the Arctic? That, that would be, yeah. like, really warm. Well, it was 100 degrees. Oh, my God. It's an all-time high for Siberia. Now, there's a city that's just six miles north of the Arctic Circle, and I was wondering, six miles north of the Arctic Circle, but the Arctic Circle is north. What's north of the Arctic Circle? But the Arctic Circle is a big, big swath. So let's say it was uh, in the direction of the North Pole, okay, higher, higher up in the Arctic Circle. They had a high of 100.4 degrees Fahrenheit. This is according to weather.com. And that would be the highest temperature on record anywhere north of the Arctic Circle and the northernmost 100-degree temperature ever recorded. Now, Siberia, of course, is typically one of the coldest places in the world, but it has been experiencing a heat wave since the 12th of June. But it's not just this month that's been hotter than usual in Russia. It has experienced its warmest ever January through May period this year as well. They tell us that the Arctic is warming at a rate more than double that of the rest of the world. In fact, it's becoming so temperate there, they're suspecting that with global climate change that the uh, Siberian Arctic or any place in Siberia is going to be uh, the most habitable part of Russia. And that's one reason the Russian government is developing Siberia in anticipation that the weather is going to vastly moderate and that it will be the best part of Russia to live in in the future. So they're making plans. <clears throat> and let's talk about the Earth's magnetic field. Data from the European Space Agency indicates that within a large area of the South Atlantic, the Earth's magnetic field is continuously, constantly, progressively growing weaker. 
Now, uh, European Space Agency has a SWARM mission. It's an operational mission. They call it SWARM. That studies the Earth's magnetic field, and it has coined the area as the South Atlantic Anomaly. Now, you all know that Earth's magnetic field is vital to the persistence of life because this is what gives us invisible protection against the radiation that's constantly streaming toward the planet from the sun and the universe. Now, this field, they tell us, is generated from extremely hot molten iron contained within the outer core deep inside the Earth's crust and connects the magnetic north and south poles. But unlike the geographic poles, the location of the magnetic poles vary, and the magnetic north pole has been documented as wandering since as early as 1831. But these changes, including the estimated 9% drop in the overall strength of the magnetic field over the last 200 years, has implications that, fi- that scientists really aren't understanding very well. The field strength also dropped between 1970 and 2020 by 2,000 nanoteslas, and the South Atlantic anomaly has expanded to the west at the rate of 20 kilometers per year. Now, since 2015, that recently, the field has started to weaken at a second focal point near the coast of Africa and could eventually, looks like it's going to, split into two anomalous areas, and they don't know why. These remain unexplained. And they go on to tell us that the magnetic north and south poles flip roughly once every 250,000 years, and they tell us that such an event is long overdue. They're having some discussion about whether recent changes in the magnetic field could be connected to an upcoming pole reversal, but that has not yet been determined. But they do tell us that during a pole shift event, the Earth's entire magnetic field will become much weaker, potentially exposing life on Earth to radiation harm as well as damage of communication systems. So they're really watching that very closely. Nobody really knows quite what's going on. I reported earlier about the oil spill in Siberia, and I've got some updates for you. They put up barriers to stop the oil, but now the barriers aren't working. So the fuel that was spilled is flowing toward the Arctic Ocean in Russia's far north following that diesel spill last month, Uh, some 150,000 barrels of diesel, nearly half as much fuel is leaked in the Exxon Valdez tanker spill in Alaska way back in 1989. 150,000 barrels were released in northern Siberia after a storage tank sank into thawing permafrost, thawing permafrost, remember it's getting hot up there, and it it, uh, dropped and it broke and it leaked. Now, the government has been investigating this bill, but in the meantime, that has deposited the fuel into a river, and now it has reached other rivers. They're all turning red. They are going into a finger lake that is moving toward the Arctic Ocean. That is really disastrous news. And the World Wildlife Fund has sounded the alarm over the poisoning of animals in the path of this spill. Hundreds of workers are tasked with cleaning up the mess, which did lead to the arrest of the director of the power plant that was in charge of the tank. So they arrested the guy. So let's all put some good energy there, and they really need to stop that. And scientists uh, on the other end of the spectrum, this is a cool story, scientists say that they have found the cleanest air on Earth. Doesn't that sound refreshing? Sounds wonderful. 
Well, you have to go to a really remote place to find it, and I'll tell you where in a second. <laughs> this is a first-of-its-kind study of the bioaerosol composition of the Southern Ocean, way down by the Antarctic. And researchers from Colorado State University identified an atmospheric region which remains unchanged, unchanged by human activity. Researchers found that the air over the Southern Ocean in Antarctica was free from aerosol particles produced by human activity, including the aerosol from burning fossil fuels, planting crops, fertilizer production, and wastewater disposal. Not a trace. Scientists have found that the Southern Ocean is one of the very few places on Earth that has been minimally affected by human activity. So, wonder what the air in the world was like thousands, millions of years ago? I know where you can go to take a whiff and find out. It must wow. be very, very nice. Well, I wanted to thank Tammy for this story. This is really interesting. Uh, science is on the march, and now they have invented color-changing inks that can be printed onto clothing to warn the wearer about potential health issues. Well, I, <laughs> I don't know about flashing all this information to the world, but nevertheless, if no one else knows how to read what's wrong with you, I guess it's okay. But let's talk about this, because this is very, very innovative. Thanks to a recent development from Tufts University School of Engineering, we may soon be able to wear clothing that can change color in response to chemicals released from our bodies or detected in the air. Now, this biomaterial-based inks can be screen-printed onto textiles such as clothes, shoes, or even face masks in complex patterns and at high resolution, providing a detailed map of human response or exposure to the environment. Now, this advance in wearable sensing, which was reported in the magazine Advanced Materials, could simultaneously detect and quantify a wide range of biological conditions, molecules, and possibly pathogens over any area of the body. Now, the components that make these sensing garments are biologically activated silk-based inks. The soluble ink substrate in these formulations can be modified by embedding various reporter molecules. In other words, you can create this ink to sense whatever you want it to sense based on what it is that you're trying to discover. Some of the sensors, for instance, could be an indicator of dehydration, while others could indicate levels of fatigue of the wearer or some other physical condition. If you can name it, they can, they can sense it. Now, this technology builds upon earlier work by the same researchers who developed bioactive silk inks that they made for uh, Petri dishes for paper sensors and laboratory gloves that could indicate bacterial contamination by changing colors. Now, those things are extremely useful. And, you know, paper dipsticks that you use to test, you know, certain biological functions, still made with these kinds of bioactive inks. And now they think they can make clothes out of it and shoes and so on. Really very creative, very innovative. Well, well if it can uh, um, warn us about EMF, then you got something. Well, no, no. Wow. Do you? I yeah, yeah. If you're walking into a, a saturated EMF radiation zone, wow. yeah. If they can come up with something that helps us know that, that would be a lifesaver. It would be incredible, but it would be very against the uh, status quo. We could only oh, sure. hope that somebody would <laughs> would make that anyway and sell it privately. It would be great. Yeah. Well, um, I talked about 
uh, Scotland the other day about the trees and stuff. I want to share another story with you. Um, Scotland has banned the mass killing of hares, uh, rabbits, you know, wild hares. And conservationists have welcomed a decision by the Scottish Parliament to ban the mass culling of mountain hares, thousands of which are slaughtered annually uh, by the grouse shooting industry. Now, the industry claims that killing hares, uh, whose brown fur turns white in winter, is necessary to stop the spread of diseases, which conservationists says is nonsense. It's not about that. But now this bear on hair culling is part of a series of new animal protection measures announced in Scotland this week. The government also voted to ban salmon farmers from shooting seals and vowed to limit salmon farmers' use of acoustic deterrent devices that emits noises to scare off seals, but reportedly has caused hearing damage in dolphins and whales. So, yay, we're advancing animal rights here. I think that's fantastic. And last story for tonight. This is amazingly creative, guys. Think about this. When I read this, I thought about starseed innovation. And so let's see where you guys go with this. This is great. Um, This is about an artist in England who created a brand new economy built on trust and generosity. Check this out. It was the beginning of lockdown in the U.K., and like millions of people across the country, an artist started to feel anxious about the impact the pandemic was likely to have on his industry, on his business, and on his income. And so he said, I'd been getting messages from friends and colleagues saying their exhibitions were closing. Now, most artists work in gig economies and are reliant on the sales of their work, and if that stops, well, that's it. So this man felt compelled to act. And while jogging near his home in East Sussex, he hatched a plan to help artists sell work during lockdown. How were they going to sell their art when they couldn't show it? He said this. He said, I thought it has to be able to shift work quite quickly, and it has to work within a culture of trust and generosity. So the idea I came up with was simple. You post your work on Instagram for no more than 200 pounds, and when you reach 1,000 pounds of sales, You have to buy another artist's work. And so, out of that idea, the Artist Support Pledge was born. Well, other artists signed up to this initiative, and what followed was a tsunami of positive feedback. He said, people were messaging me saying they were reaching their pledge in 24 hours. Other people heard about this, of course, and supported the artists. But three months on, in what started as a what a bumper sticker for a gravely wounded uh, industry had evolved into kind of a global microeconomy estimated by one consultant to have generated around 48 million pounds in sales. This artist says it's guesswork. He says um, these are people who, before the coronavirus, were making not more, not much more than a thousand dollars a month, and now who are making a thousand dollars a day. He said they've gone from having no work to being oddly prosperous. So reflecting on the success of his artist support pledge, he says that it's gone beyond these wildest expectations. He said, when I set it up, I thought if I could help a few friends and colleagues sell a bit of work, that would be great. I thought it might help them pay their rent and put food on the table. I didn't in any way expect to create a new economy, which is, in a way, exactly what it's done. So... (laughs) 
they they started this for three months, and it became so popular and made so many artists po- uh, prosperous that they just decided to make this permanent. The article went on to talk about how they were expanding this program and what they were doing with it and how it is jump-starting similar ideas in other countries. Um, wow. It started off just simply on a promise, and it still works on a promise, that if you sell a 1000 let's say it's $1,000 instead of a 1,000 pounds worth of your artwork, you will, once you hit that threshold, you will go and um, spread it around, get some payback, and and on it goes. And so it's a circular proposition, and everybody is doing great. And I think that's absolutely beautiful and brilliant and just right, just right. And you know what Albert Einstein said? Of course. You know I like to quote him. He said, and you've heard this before, but it bears repeating. We cannot solve our problems with the same level of thinking that created them. And so in this case, this young artist wasn't thinking along the same lines and solved a lot of problems. So I say, Starseed, let's go out and solve some problems. Let's do some different kinds of thinking. Let's base our ideas on trust and generosity and community and see what we can all accomplish together. You know, after all, this time of change is not about returning to the old, but creating the new, changing the world in the way that we want to change it, that will benefit all of humanity and all of life everywhere. There are so many wonderful things we can do, so many things that need changing, so much grief and poverty and suffering that needs to be alleviated. This is the opportunity of our lifetimes. And you know, there are so many good-hearted people out there who may not be starseed, but we can join hearts and hands with all of them because everybody in this age has the calling to make it a better place. Not everybody will heed that, but everybody listening to this program will, and there are many more out there to connect with as a part of this brotherhood, sisterhood of a new and better world. So, wow, this is an opportunity, everybody. Let's take advantage of it and, and let your inspiration be your guide. From my heart to each one of you, much love, everybody. Have a beautiful couple of weeks, and I'll catch you next time on the Starseed News. Thank you, Arielle. Oh, thank you, Anastasia. Great job. And it's like a lot of good things are coming out of a bad situation. So that's the Starseed yeah. way. Yes, so, uh, absolutely. We'll see you in two weeks, and yeah. um, have a great <laughs> 4th of July. Thank you. Night-night. Okay. <laughs> Bye-bye. So let me get... Uh, Things switched over here, and uh, get uh, see Lavender. Well, there's a lot of people on the switchboard here, so I'm going to have to get through. Okay, and there's our guest. Okay, all right. So I've got your mics open now. now. Hey, Shar, welcome to Starseed Radio Academy. Thank you. Oh, we're we're glad that you're here, and um, Lavender is going to lead it off. And um, I believe you have a limited amount of time to be with us this evening, so just you know, let us know, uh, you know, about when you have to be wrapping it up. Okay. Okay. Sounds good. Okay. All right, Lavender, are you ready? I'm ready. So, okay. so Char, how much how much time do we have? Um, probably about till two fifteen ish. Oh, I'm I'm in Hawaii. So maybe eight fifteen ish. Oh, okay. About forty forty five minutes. Yeah. Okay. Forty five minutes. All right. Okay. So um, give us a little history of you and and your awakening because uh, it looks like 
when I was reading this book, you really were destined to to write this book and to have these experiences. And to me, it looks like that you were born to do this. So give us a little history of of your awakening on the planet and how you uh, handle what's happening now with what we're doing. Wow. Well, I was born a big picture, you know, big picture thinker. And, you know, some people would say I was born awake. Um, but I was born into a normal family um, just outside of Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. And nobody really had gifts of claircognizance, clairsentience, clairaudience like I did. And, um, you know, so when I was growing up, I tried to fit in kind of as best as I could, even though I really didn't fit in ever. And uh, um, so let me um, – I was sensitive and intuitive, and I never watched violence. You know, mainstream TV and mainstream entertainment is so violent and sex-based. So even at a very young age, I safeguarded myself against that stuff. And I was always sensitive to chemicals and everything else, so I found myself at, like, a natural health food store when I was, like, 12 reading labels. So fast forward to adulthood. Fast forward to adulthood. um, I worked in publishing first, and... uh, at a publishing house and um, wrote uh, educational books, um, introductions to educational books, believe it or not, for Harold Bloom um, at Chelsea House Publishers, Literary Criticism Department. And then after that, I did health and wellness. I went for my yoga therapy um, certifications and Ayurveda, lifestyle counselor, and astrology and Thai yoga massage. And so I really got into the field of health, wellness, and healing, which was my natural birthright. I was very gifted at that. Um, I have a very healing healing touch. When I, when I touch people or lay hands on people, I receive messages, and I channel um, higher dimensions and give people messages and stuff. So back in 2012, I was in Wilmington, North Carolina, near the ocean, and I was running my own health clinic and seeing people, wounded warriors, all kinds of people, young mothers, um, yoga therapy, Thai yoga massage, stretching, counseling. And uh, that was that's pretty much when I was triggered my awakening, as, as people like to call it. Um, I, I, you know, the, the big shift started to happen then, 2012, and a lot of things started to happen to me. I was... I was just gaining rapid power, rapid power, uh, very quickly. And I would wake up sometimes vibrating in bed, and I always said, I always said, you know, please come to me in a form that won't scare me. Because sometimes I can still feel like a little girl, my 15-year-old protagonist in the book, Star Seed Nation. And and so they're very respectful, and they came to me in dreams, and, um, uh, even through elementals, I work with elementals, um, but that that came pretty quick. That that was coming pretty pretty quickly, and all these experiences. And then I kind of pushed it away for a little while because honestly, I mean, sorry to report, I felt I still wanted to try to maintain a little bit of normalcy. I wasn't ready to jump in full force yet, so I kind of pushed it away for a couple years. But then I moved to Mount Shasta. Um, and I did this mantra in the ocean, the beautiful ocean of North Carolina beaches. And I would go into the ocean, and I would, I would, 
I would sing mantra to the ocean and wade in the ocean when the moon and the sun were in the sky. And I called to my power. I said, bring me to my place of power. Because I knew at that time I had to leave the East Coast and go to the West Coast. It was just something that I knew was coming up for me. And I did that for months. Then I drove across the country and ended up Santa Cruz working at, well, I'll, I'll make a long story short. Um, and then, so anyway, I ended up in Ashland, Oregon, near Mount Shasta, the root chakra verse. And so how long do you want me to go on? I could go on forever. Yeah, go on. It's, it's That's fine. <laughs> um, and I had already started writing my book back in 2012, so I missed saying that part. In 2012, I started writing my book um, that was just started to be about uh, a 15-year-old intuitive teenager, sensitive like me, um, awakening. And it was it was just supposed to be about a long line of women seers and healers passing down the tradition to her and welcoming the elements. Uh, but when I moved to Mount Shasta, I started a channel Galactica for the first time. And as I requested, they were very respectful and they didn't scare me. So that's how it started to happen. It really came to me gently as I had requested because I'm a gentle, sensitive person. Even though I have a lot of power, I'm still a little sensitive. And I appreciate that. So I started channel, and a whole scene came through, and I was channeling Inner Earth, chapter of Galactic Federation of Light. Uh, and I would have, you know, visuals, complete visuals of of uh parts of parts of council and what the rooms would look like and I would be um I would be flooded with information and it was a lot and uh so I had to get on a daily routine and write it all down and make sense of it and that's how I started the process of integrating uh the awakening process, the true natural awakening process for me into my book. From the next generation of light workers. So when, let me ask you. So um, wh- when did you you started writing the book after 2012, and then you published it? Um, what is what are Not people saying 2019. about 2019? Uh, I just yeah. published it last year. Oh, just last year. Okay. So what are you what are what are some of the testimonials from people that are reading it or? Or do you just want to tell us about Lena and the main character and what the story is about? Either way is fine. Well, people really identify with it. You know, people identify with the awakening process. People identify with um, kind of flip-flopping between third and fifth dimension, like, you know, feeling called and knowing that you're in ascension process and moving in the right direction. But things kind of happening in people in your life tending to bring you back to the emotional fourth dimension and you can kind of go back and forth. Um, I traveled a lot. I was traveling a lot before this whole pandemic and so I hadn't really pushed my book so much. I was just letting it naturally um, get out. And yours is only the second podcast that I've done on it. Um, oh, well, I good. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we want to certainly help promote it because I have, I'm not through it. I'm halfway through it right now. And it's a wonderful read. And I, I love the way that you have, have written this through experiences, the experiences show it in your book. Thank you. 
And also it shows that you were really designed to come and do something very global and very environmental on the planet. As I'm reading this and understanding where the story's taking me, I know that you're part of the movement to bring in, you know, the um, the new the new blueprints for the new age that we're going to get get into when all this mess is over. Then we'll be able to rise like star seeds and and make a difference on the planet. But I think we kind of have to wait until the until you know the dust settles, <laughs> and mm-hmm. then we then we can rise. What do you think about that? Well, I can tell you on this end, I had chills of confirmation. So I say you're right. Yes, thank you. So what do and, you find in what do you find in Hawaii right now that you've ooh. been there? Um, are are huh. the people are the people pretty solid with with their knowing there, or is it scattered like it is here in the states? Well, look, I've only been here for twenty days, and so first two weeks of that was on quarantine. But I will say that I was well-received, and I was well-received by good people. And that tends to happen to me whenever I go to a new place. When I just get a knowing, I will go, and I will be received by good people. And I love the people I met here so far. They're definitely a starseed family. Um, so I feel very supported, and I've already received downloads um, from Pele or Earth, um, you know, here um, about – being in your power and moving away from fear and uh, more some things to do with being a woman specifically, which has been interesting. Yeah. So are you thinking about writing another book? Yeah, I will. Um, Yes, I will for sure. I mean, life is long. I'm still young. So I will for sure. I'm here finishing up one final class, and I'm going for my Master's of Counseling at University of Hawaii, Hilo. And really, I love to work with youth. Um, I love to work with youth. And, you know, they are the future of Earth. And we, we have all these wonderful beings coming in awakened, and really waiting for something like when I was young, I was waiting for someone to teach me and guide me, you know. And and I'm just, you know, sometimes we're we're late bloomers, and we could have had our potential young, but we make it to a certain age, and then we have to cast off our shells, and then we're just late bloomers. And I'm very healthy, so I'm going to live a long life. Yeah. Okay. Good. So tell us a little bit more about the the uh, the story that you wrote, Starseed Nation. Tell us more about Lena, the main character, and give us a little insight to how she uh, was able to do the things that she was able to do. Well, so the book is based in 2025, and first off, I want to say it was no coincidence tonight that your newscaster mentioned the oil spill. I didn't even know that happened. I hadn't been watching the news. Very sad, but that is what's kicks off my book. The oil spill is what kicks off my book in a hurricane in North Carolina in 2025, and it makes the water restrictions worse. Um, I used to live in Wilmington, North Carolina, and my sister lives there still, and I have family that lives in, in, in North Carolina, and you know, some of those big companies are really polluting the rivers over there, like the DuPont company. They're still pouring Gen X in the rivers over there for like 30 years and still able to do it somehow. It's just poisoning the waterways there. So that's the kick. That's the kickstart of my book. Um, uh, uh, a hurricane causes a chemical spill. I don't want to give the whole thing away, but yeah, a, chem- okay. a hurricane causes a chemical spill and an oil spill. Um, 
in North Carolina, on the coast of North Carolina, in the rivers, and the teenage girl, Lena, and her father have to flee to the mountains where her other family is waiting for them. And this is when her third eye is triggered awake, um, and it's in the middle of this hurricane, and she gets a shot of of indigo in, in her third eye, a shot of violet, and uh, she begins speaking with her deceased grandmother, the only woman in the world, the only real person in the world that she really feels, um, you know, akin to or feels similar to or has any kind of resonance to with her grandmother who's deceased, who's dead. And um, so she begins talking with her grandmother, and her grandmother starts to guide her, move her toward her personal power. She's 15 years old. And this is almost like this is a summer of personal power for her, and she comes to Lena and saying, we really can't wait anymore. We we can't wait anymore. We need you to move into your powers. Um, and she does this by um, offering a ritual, um, invoking Earth's messengers, the elements. And then we, I get into talking a little bit about what's happening right now is the purification process with all the extreme weather. You know, we have almost like a fight between the light and dark. We have a, a battle for control between the light and dark. And, yeah, all the people now who are here to create the new earth, we really need to step up into our visions and be our best selves, move away from fear, and do what we can. We have to do it now. Yeah, I agree. Absolutely. If not us, then who? I know. Yeah. So I'm seeing what time it is, and I'm I'm going to give the uh, oh, people. Oh, okay. A, I I don't have to the, rush, rush. Well, I I, I'm going to give the people a chance to um, on the switchboard to to call in if they want to. So I'm I'm I'll, I'll want to p- pass you over to Ariel at this time and the switchboard, and I want to uh, tell you how proud of you I am that you've done not only this book. But, but what you're doing in life. And, you know, you and I have talked and had sessions, and I really want to support and empower uh, the different projects that you have in the future. So be sure and let us know so that you can come back on and share whatever you're doing with our Starseed community, okay? Yes, thank you so much. I appreciate your work as well. Okay. So so back to you, Ariel. Okay. Um, well, we can we can open up the switchboard, um, and if anyone does have a, a question or comment, um, you'll if you're already on the switchboard, then just press one so that we know you want to make a comment. If you're listening on the computer, then pick up the phone and dial nine one seven eight eight nine eight two nine two, and then once you're in, press one. Um, although I will say, Char, that uh, generally we don't have a lot of callers because a lot of people will listen the, after the fact in the archives. So um, I just wanted to put that out there, though. If you do want to um, ask a question or make a comment for Shar, then that's how you do it. But um, you had sent the um, uh, little few paragraphs from the back cover of your book, and it's, it's a really nice um, uh, summary. So can I read that for you now? Yes, please. Okay. So this is the back cover of your book. 2025, North Carolina, United States of America. When 15-year-old Lena Linigan's third eye awakening is triggered during a level four hurricane, she and her deceased grandma begin communicating telepathically. Days later, in the middle of a water shortage intensified by the hurricane, personal powers the intuitive teen never knew she had 
bloom rapidly right under the noses of her asleep family. But alongside power comes responsibility, and the inexperienced light worker playfully practicing newfound skills is put to the test rather faster than she'd like. Soon after a low-key rite of passage and ritual invocation of the elements, Lena is fast-tracked portal-style with starseed friend Sophia into Mission New uh, Mission NEAR, which is New Earth Advanced Recalibration, and a seat at Galactic Council. Things get personal and uncomfortable, though, when the first part of the mission, Lena must choose between the wealth of her own family or better conditions on Earth. Well, that's loaded, isn't it? <laughs> Side comment from me. Yeah. Starseed Nation Ascension into 5D was channeled near Mount Shasta, the root chakra of Earth, and is a must-read for all sensitive, intuitive teens and adults with open hearts and creative centers. So that, is, that's, that really says a lot. So um, the, the book is um, a story about a young teenager's awakening and uh, ascension and and from that i mean i haven't had a chance to read the book yet but um, it, it seems that there will be a lot of correlation as as people read and they might be thinking oh me too i had that yeah i've i've i know what that's all about so i, I think this is a, a real timely book uh, because there's so much change and shift going on right now and i can tell you um, that from our vantage point, uh, for the past 18 months, the awakening is is massive all over the planet. And, and we get to see that because we get requests from people that want to know their mission um, from countries all over the world. And it's interesting that, that it started like about 16 or 15 months, a good year ahead of the time when anyone ever heard of uh, the virus. So that is coinciding with this global crisis as people are waking up. So I think it's a similar parallel, um, you know, what, what, as what, to what happens in the book with an unexpected kind of crisis that makes people um, have to uh, maybe abandon their normalcy and, and look for something better and higher because things have changed too much. And because you can't run, you can't distract yourself anymore. We have to sit and be and align ourselves with what's below and what's above. One straight line. See where we are. See who we are. Right. Yeah. And that's, I think, kind of a a wonderful side effect of people you know, having gone through this 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 lockdown and and you know there uh, there's all kinds of. I mean, I hardly listen to the news about that because it changes too often. It's like you don't really know what you're talking about anyway. You're just guessing. Um, but the unexpected effect is that it's bringing people together. It's bringing families together. And um, and people have had time to reflect. So um, there's a silver lining. And you know how it's coinciding with me and my astrology? I have a major 12-house transit right now with – um, Saturn, Jupiter, and Pluto in the 12th house of my subconscious. So it's been pretty interesting. Oh, yeah. yeah. Well, that conjunction is affecting everyone um, because it's just where they are right now. But for your personal chart, you know, that is 
you know, time to take your spiritual work to the next level. And and certainly, you know, Jupiter in that house is going to help you with that. Yes, yes. So um, you have, you've only been in Hawaii for three weeks? Yes. And had you been yes. there before, or is this the first that you've been there? I had been to Maui and Kauai, um, but I had not been to the Big Island. And um, like I said, before the pandemic, I was traveling to different retreat centers, and I was in South and Central America um, working at retreat centers and teaching courses. Um, But then when pandemic started, I went back to Oregon, and um, Saturn entered my 12th house. And I, I sat and meditated. My meditation practice, my daily rituals were very solid because I wasn't traveling so much. And um, I received this, the message from Spirit, this is where I, I was to come next. And there's definitely a correlation between the Big Island and Mount Shasta. Oh, there's well, definitely yeah, a there's, Yeah, and there, there's a, a lot of, because, um, I mean, we've, we've had a lot of um, radio guests, clients, um, people that have come to the quest uh, around Hawaii, and it seems to me, even though I've never been there, uh, it's that the indigenous um, population there is naturally spiritual, and they have a deep respect and connection to Mother Nature. So, um, well, yeah, have you found that? I have. You know, I haven't. I mean, I've honestly met more people who came on to the island. Um, but I do, I do find that they call it the Aina. They call it the Aina here, and um, I mean, I, in my book, I talk about vortexes a little bit. Um, I am naturally um, drawn to spiritual portals on Earth, and in the book, I talk about the girls finding a portal, and this is uh, their initiation into teleportation to the Galactic Council. Um, but uh, I mean, I feel like the whole island, the Big Island, is is certainly a vortex of of a magnitudinal energy. Um, and it's, you know, it's, uh, it feels good to be here. It feels good to be here. I, I can definitely feel the energy of the lava and what's beneath the land. And, um, you know, uh, the connections to Lemuria, the original, um, the original utopian world. Wow. Well, that's, I mean, that's, that's a good place to be, um, uh, for now, but hopefully, um, uh, you will continue your travels when it's when it's safe to do that. Um, so, um, tell us about well, your, your vision. I'm going to be here for a while. I'm, I'm going to finish my master's of counseling at University of Hawaii, so I'll be here for a while. But yes, I love to travel. Mm-hmm. Travel will always be a part of my life as soon as it's safe to do so again. I'm a Sagittarius North Node. Yeah, yeah. Well, then you are true and, and in alignment uh, with your chart. So um, what is your vision for the future? My vision for the future is to, my personal vision um, for the future is to work with youth, to work with, and all ages really, helping move people into the fifth dimension, helping move, move people out of fear into love. I really love the idea of, of bartering. Um, being the new currency, 
of being at least an acceptable new currency as we transition um, to cooperation rather than um, competition. competition. Yes. Mm-hmm. And also intentional community. I really appreciate intentional community. It's important to have high vibration people with you where you are and as your family um, working with, even if you're not working on projects per se, it's really good to have an intentional creative community just to be with and cook with and have, you know, share, share time and space with. Local community is important. And, oh, um, it is. You know, and, you know, for me, for a long time I was with around business people, and I love business people, don't get me wrong, but I have to be around people who can speak about these kinds of things. And uh, I think it's important right now for people if they don't feel like that, that they can be their authentic self with the people who are in their lives, to start looking, really, to tap into themselves and look for their, their soul family or their their pods, their their um, soul tribe, as, as people like to call it, so they can create. It's a time of... Um, you know, creativity right now. We all have to tap into our creative centers and see what our our best gifts are. Well, it's all part of a process, isn't it? You know, little by little. And people will, I'm sure in in some areas, there will be different speeds. You know, some some areas it will happen really fast and some areas that are really, you know, stuck in more density. It may take a little bit longer, but... Like Lavender says, you can come now or you can come later, but you are coming. Um, eventually, you know, they'll they'll get there. So um, I, I'm really one, intrigued by... I want to by, say one uh, more thing with the youth and my oh. vision for the youth. In specific, like people will bring their gifts to the table, but in specific, I am very much interested and passionate about, you know, using my Masters of Counseling as my mainstream um, education and building with that to... Um, make a structure of education for youth and teach and open, like, during their um, language explosion years, uh, 5 to 12, I would say, when they can learn all the languages all at once, there's a window right there where we can keep their third eye and crown chakras open so they can, they, they have all children, all people come into the world with natural telepathic abilities. There's something called extraocular vision. They were teaching. They took it off the Internet because, I guess, the government doesn't want kids to know how to use their their you know ESPs or six senses. But I am very interested in that, in, in tapping into true hum, human potential, working with the youth here, and really seeing what what the future can be when we when we start telling them when they're young that they are infinite and telepathy is their natural born skill. Oh right, yeah. It's just it's just a matter of time before society tries to program it out of them. But and, and then a lot of star seeds will find their way back. But um, I just I, I love that you're focused on on the young people because that's really um, it's the jewel of the future. So um, tell us a, a little, give us your description of um, or your understanding of how we can live a 5D life while we're still living on the earth? Um, 
well, diet is really important. So if you're eating crap, that has to go right away. I mean, anything that doesn't fit into you. I mean, meditation. I would start. Starting point needs to be meditation. Daily meditation practice. Sit you know, for at least half an hour a day, half an hour is fine. Every day, calm yourself down, meditate, get on your mat, you know, start visualizing behind your eyes, third eye, um, tuning into the earth core and above um, to Galactica and aligning yourself and um, listening to your intuition, listening to your intuition, really consciously communicating with your higher self, um, and then as you start to do that, you know, if you don't know anything about foods, um, make it a point to obviously eat more vegetables and fruits and uh, don't drink. Don't drink alcohol, really. I mean, people try to hold on to the alcohol and the bad habits. Those things really need to go if you are. People smoke, smoke a lot of marijuana, and I know that, you know, People like to do that stuff, but if you're really serious about coming to your full potential and doing good work, then those things got to go. So um, we've had we've had this this discussion with with other other guests and and just trying to to see and you're saying a lot of the same things, um, but I, I think that I mean living living a 5D life is making different choices and certainly the ones that you've been talking about but um choosing compassion over judgment choosing you know love over competition uh, choosing uh, cooperation over competition um those simple things like that just help you to shift and your frequency goes up every time you you reinforce it like that because mm-hmm. you know showing compassion um giving giving love to people who um who don't expect to get it <laughs> people think they're going to get um chastised for something and and you and you show them compassion um that is also empowering for the person giving the compassion and you know shifting little just little things like that because when you choose you know to um to react in anger, you're choosing the third dimensional density. And if you catch yourself doing that, it's like, wait a minute, I can easily choose compassion instead, and just transmute the whole thing, and you know, take another step up in that way. Yeah, so, I agree, um, for yeah. sure. And also, being in nature, really, I, I, I can't, I, mean, I can't overstate that. Being in nature and beautiful places in nature, and really just. Uh, being grateful uh, for 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 the beauty of of Earth and um, being thankful and just really stay, keeping an attitude of gratitude, you know the old the old thing, an attitude of gratitude that really that really works. Oh, it sure does, and that's really I mean, gratitude, living in gratitude, and showing compassion is really the door I think to your your first entrance into into five D, and certainly you you can't. You can't uh, be in 5D and still um, make those bad choices. But even if you do um, slip, I mean, in my opinion, it's like it's like okay, here I am. You know, everything is is blissful and wonderful, and I'm grateful, and I'm I'm showing all kinds of compassion, and I must be in 5D. Um, and then something happens, and you and you react with, you know, anger or um, 
whatever the the situation might be, and you slide back. But that doesn't mean that you only got that one mm-hmm. shot. Yes, you can just like, okay, all right, you know, I, I, I slipped a little bit, but I can get right back where I was, just transmute that and, and go back to where you were. Right, and if there is something that's happening consistently and reoccurring in life that makes you upset or gets you angry, like if you're sitting in traffic and you just can't make that up, you can't feel acceptance of that or you can't find love sitting in traffic, then do something to change that. And, you know, the things that we all have to be really paying attention to what we put in our bodies, not just food and impression and the people around, but entertainment. I know I mentioned that once, but really, no violent entertainment. Violent and sex-based entertainment is just watching the television, like, you know, it's just, ugh, closes down all parts of being in connection with your higher self. That's how I feel. Yeah, well, when you watch people who are operating at a very low frequency, um, it's it's going to kind of suck you into that low frequency. And, in, you know, I, I, I know if, if I watch a movie that was, you know, like, disturbing, it takes days for me to shake that, so I just don't look anymore. Yes. <laughs> like Clavino like, like says, don't look, Ethel. <laughs> yeah. um, um, it's just a little... I love Lucy joke, but um, yeah, I mean, I consciously you know choose not to participate in in any of those those things because yeah, I mean the third dimension there are people that that like it there, but I'm I'm not one of them. And you know, there's also tricks. I mean, we can easily be tricked. Sometimes what we think is. Uh, doing something good for the world. I'm not going to get into politics. I'm not interested in politics. But, you know, we think maybe we're doing something good for the world, but if we're expressing in a way like with, with, you know, riots or standoffs or whatever, some political movement, if we're doing it in a way that's expressing, making anger and hate come out of us, then that's not that's not helpful because we're, we're, we're still putting that energy out to the collective consciousness and what we want to be doing, we want to be aware. We want to be aware of what energy we are putting at all the time. Well, yeah. Yeah, and it's... I saw, I saw a phrase someplace. I, I was, I don't know, looking at something on the Internet and the phrase was, and it stuck with me, um, if one shall fall, so fall we all. Which is basically saying, unless everybody, you know, gets on the program, gets on the frequency, that one person who's who's resisting it is going to kind of pull down the the curve um, to make it a little harder for others. So, um, yeah, you've got to live your life by example, and and show what you want, be what you want as. The saying goes, "Be the change you want to see." So, yeah, it all it starts starts at home. I mean, meaning within yourself. So, um, so there was something else I was going to ask you about. Oh, when when you had your um, your contact with and you started channeling the Galactic Federation of Light, do you talk a little bit more about that? Um, how they they said they approached you in a gentle way, as you had asked. But yeah, what was that yeah. like? What was that like? It was very 
subtle. You know, it was very subtle, but it was just like downloads of information, continuous downloads of information, like directly into my mind, um, directly into my my mind. Like I could see, you know, when you close your eyes, you can visualize. Well, I could see uh, perfectly clearly whole scenes, and I was doing channeled writing, um, whole scenes of channeled writing, and I was getting a lot of information all at once. And this is when I um, was living near Mount Shasta and drinking the Mount Shasta water. Um, and it was uh, it was respectful. It was respectful. I don't. I I think I'm the kind of person that. Um, well, I am the kind of person that responds more to gentle, uh, creative processes than something, you know, because they. I think they, but. Um, back in 2012, it was a bit abrupt for me, and so I pushed it away. And this time, I'm I'm going in gradual, and it's it's been good. I really appreciated it, and um, I feel much more comfortable and confident knowing that it, it can be done that way. And like I said, I'm young, and I still I can tell you I am not at the peak of my power yet. I do have a lot of personal power, and you know, like I said, Saturn's in my 12th house. I don't fully know what the next scene or the next wheel of Saturn going around my my chart will look like. I know that it's going to have something to do with working with youth and counseling and telepathies and probably more channeling now that I feel comfortable with it. I mean, I still channel for, for people and get messages for people and receive messages, but that was the first time I received entire visualization and pictures of full scenes and everything that, that they were asking me to be a messenger and record. But in my personality, because I want to work with youth, um, the future of Earth and the light workers, the next generation, I didn't want it to be anything that was like hitting people over the head. I don't want I don't want any of my messages to be hitting people over the head. I'm naturally a humorous, lighthearted person, and I like messages to be for me that way. Yeah, well, that, that, that it's obviously they've they found what what works um, for you. And and I I kind of agree. I think I would rather have something more subtle than you know rocking your world because I know that's you know, Lavendar's gone through that where they they just you know rocked her world and um, I mean many times over her lifetime um, and she 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 lived through it but um, it's not pleasant when it's happening even though it is for the good it can be shocking you know so. Um, yeah. And you know, I mean, if you if you ask, you know, don't you know, be more subtle. Don't don't frighten me like you did the last time. Then they'll comply. But you have to ask, just so that they know, and and they they will help. You know, in in the way that you ask. And from a very young age, I knew I had the invitation to visit different dimensions and speak with other civilizations. And, and, and I had the invitation to, you know, use my mind and my communication skills in a way that many people don't. But I've always asked it to be gentle and non-scary because I like it like that. I prefer it. Yeah, well, yeah, <laughs> well I mean, a fear is a low vibration, and they would not want to um, – Yes. In, in, yes. In, 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 you know, what is the word I'm not instilled? They, they wouldn't want to initiate that. 
And so that's so, why then you're yeah. tested sometimes. And if you accept, then you'll get the information. But like I said, in 2012, all of this came down to me, and I kind of resisted just a little bit. Even though I was open, I just said, I'm not ready yet. Then I was. Well, you stayed true to your path and, and to your calling, and uh, you know, commend you for that because it's it's not it's not always easy, you know, trying to juggle, uh, um, looking normal, but you know, having your secret life that <laughs> some people just can't know about. Um, but that's just for now. Like you said, that's just it's for now, and that and it is changing. And thanks to um, you know books like yours, it's going to help people to. Um, to realize that they are part of something wonderful and um, and purposeful. So tell me, your book, um, is obviously you can get it on your website. Is it also on Amazon? Yes, it is. Okay. And on your website, um, which is a very beautiful website, by the way, uh, you have uh, you do sessions with people uh, by I, request. I do. You do live sessions, and they are... They can be done remotely, you know, over the internet, over the phone. And yeah. um you you said that you go to a, a lot of spiritual retreats. Do you have any plans to to host one and, you know, plan one yourself? Um in the future, yes, I do, but we all have to just kind of see what's happening right now with the groups. I mean, I love working in small groups because I definitely channel when I work in small groups, and that's honestly my favorite medium, in-person small groups. But we all have to just kind of wait and see what the time frame looks like. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, I certainly understand that. But I just want to remind everybody before we wrap up here, um, your website is charveda.com, and that's spelled S-H-A-R-V, like Victor, E-D-A, Charveda.com, and um, your email is also Sharon at Charveda.com. If people want more information, um, they can email you, and you can check out the the book on Amazon or on on Char's website. And it's just it's been delightful having you with us this evening. And I do I know that you've got to go, but um, we don't as as usual don't have any any callers tonight. Um, but it's it's really rare that we would, and uh, so I always tell our guests, please don't don't take it personally because people do like to listen the day after, and then they can't call in. So, um, but if you listen to the show in the archives and you do have a question, um, you can just go to the website or send an email and um, get your question answered that way. So, Shar, thank you so much for being with us, and um, thank you for doing the work that you do. Um, we will look forward to talking to you again. If you want to come back on and you know, make any announcements about new things that you're doing, you're welcome to do that. Thank you so much, and I appreciate your work as well. Well, you know, we are all doing this um, together, <laughs> and and it's all for the good of the planet, one way or the other, whether it's the, the people, the planet, the environment, um, we all have different variations on missions that will ultimately bring us to um, what is promised for the age of Aquarius. So thanks so much for your part in that, and uh, you take care and keep doing what you're doing. Okay, thank you. You too. Bye-bye. Okay, you're welcome. Bye-bye. 
So um, that is it for us this evening, and we will be back two weeks from tonight. So um, in the meantime, take care of yourself, show as much love and compassion as you can, and be grateful in every day for all the blessings that you have, and send your light to places in the world that really needs it. Until next time, good night, everyone. You've been listening to Starseed Radio Academy. Visit our website at www.starseedhotline.com. 